Welcome to Yak Babies, a podcast on the internet sponsored by the Shrimp Mobile. We bring raw shrimp to your door. My name is Aaron here, my personal pals, Dave. Hey, boys. We have Brick. Po boys. Oh, boy. And then calling, uh, no, not calling, being here. <laughs> wow. Slipped right into the old method. Uh, the former old Irish Nico, now new American Nico, Nico. Hello. Hi. Good to have you all on hand. We got another gift as uh, Yak Babies recently in the news. A couple months, about a month ago, we got a gift in the form of Danielle Rose, the poetry editor from Banner Magazine, who was, or Baron Magazine, rather, who was fired for her inflammatory tweet about poetry maybe not being the most important thing in the world. And we invited her to become the fifth Yak Baby. That was a good episode for us. Well, we got another one this week when the article, Who is the Bad Art Friend, was published in the New York Times by Robert Kolker. You've heard of it. I know you've heard of it because everyone's been talking about it. And if you haven't heard of it, you should probably pause this podcast, go read that article because it is wild. Absolutely. It's a trip. And then come back and... Yeah, definitely read this before you listen to the conversation because if you haven't, it's, it's worth getting the whole story. It's a very well-worn article. I, I really enjoy the article. Do you want to give a 30-second recap? Yeah, rundown. Yeah, the basic premise is two writers from Grub Street are associated with Grub Street, which is a Boston-based literary kind of writer's workshop organization that we all know and have friends who have been in workshops there. And Weren't you, weren't you in it, Nico? Nico? Weren't you no. in the... Are you just running the writer's room? Yeah, no, that's totally different. Or it wasn't part of Grub Street? No. Yeah, I've never been myself, but I know we, we, we know tons of people who have. We went to some readings there. I've definitely yeah. been to yeah. readings at Grub Street. Right, but not like the classes or workshops. Oh, no, no, no. Don Dorland and Sonia Larson... Uh, different sort of levels, maybe sort of success or, or sort of maybe sort of craft in their writing. Don Dorland gave a kidney away as kind of like a sort of pre-donation or, or like pre-need donation thing. It's somewhat, somewhat complicated, I guess. And then Sonia wrote a story with a character that was very obviously clearly based on on Don Dorland that her experience giving the kidney away. The question becomes, what are you allowed to take from another person's life in your writing? Is Sonia an asshole for taking plagiarizing Dawn's letter that she posted about her donation to Facebook and for sort of taking her story and, and sort of turning it into this, her own literary craft is Dawn a malignant narcissist who has a white savior complex. Are they both monsters in their own right? That's kind of the debate going on. I want to hear what my fellow yaks have to say about this. I have, I have many, many thoughts, but I want to hear what you guys are, are thinking about. Well, just to also part. like just the, the, the back end of it was yeah. that Don then sues Sonia mm-hmm. for taking her story. Right. And it comes out that it's not just a story about a woman who gives her kidney away. It's a story about an insufferable white woman right. who wants to be praised and uh, for her kidney donation and makes that her entire identity. Right. And then it comes out that that in her like group chats with other writers Sonia was absolutely roasting Don yes. just the entire time and copped to plagiarizing the letter in the first place yeah like she admits that what she did yeah. yeah which is I mean fucking blows my mind yeah the layers in the story are pretty good like it, it really yeah. keeps unraveling in a very exciting yeah. and, and, and compelling way I couldn't stop reading the article yeah. for sure so I, I guess I, well, I'll start this way the framing of it uh, especially on Twitter has is seen to have been mostly like are you on side are you on team Don or team Sonia and I'm on team everyone is awful. Like, yeah. I'm on team literary culture should be burned to the ground. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah, they're both terrible. But Sonia, the one who stole the story about Don, I think is kind of run-of-the-mill awful. Mm. And Don is, like, next-level nuclear-grade awful. 
because of the weird narcissism. Because you the... fucking sued her. Like that's absurd. <laughs> Although apparently Sonia sued first, right? No, I think that's what I read. Uh, is that she took legal action first, and that's what led to the discovery of the chat logs, and then Don sued after that, or something like that. I don't know. The timeline's weird. I don't know. I'd have to reread it, but I th- but I thought it was Don sued her, and then Sonia brought a countersuit. Yeah. For like definitely yeah, or something. I, m- my impression is that Don sued or threatened to take action against that uh, one city, one read right. organization. And then that's when it started. And then yeah, so maybe Sonya that was... was part of that suit, I mm. think. So maybe it was like she just kind of pressured some things and then Sonya I think so, yeah. sued for defamation. Yeah, I think maybe maybe Sonny got a lawyer first and then Don sued in response to that mm. or something like that. I don't know, or something. Yeah. I, I guess I read a different Twitter that had more information that was uh, drawing yeah. on for that. So, so one, uh, the one sentence that, that, that in the article that I think sums up Don mm-hmm. is, is this one. Dorland is not shy about explaining how her past has afforded her a degree of moral clarity that others might not come by so easily. Right. Yeah, I mean, it came out. I mean, I, I, I suppose it didn't come out. It was pretty, pretty clear from the reading that Don is the one who brought this story to the New York Times in the first place, right? Like she, yeah. well, she sort of wild. Yeah. pitched this to the writer sort of made made the connection and a lot of the discourse was why would you do this to make yourself look bad right but also there's sort of like a like a well if you're gonna go down you might as well like aim your flaming right. plane at your like enemy's ship too or something like that like i don't know yeah i think don definitely comes off way worse worse dave what are your thoughts here i guess i would say i managed to find room for a little bit of empathy for both of them while for the most part finding them both repulsive and horrible yeah tell me your empathy because that's something i was not able to come to in my reading of this story <laughs> oh really i mean i i understood for sure don's kind of negative feelings mm. about seeing that okay yes especially yes. especially the part of sonia's story which is don's letter almost verbatim right even though don's letter itself is just atrocious yes right and disgusting but then from the other side too like i i can easily point to people from my life who from whom I've borrowed oh yeah uh liberally right in my own writing yeah. I think the worst so yep sorry go ahead yeah no that's it I mean I I, I understand both sides and I but I just I feel like both people are they're awful people yeah. um I do wonder too would Don's and I, I don't even wonder I know the answer if the story had been about like oh this wonderful like savior <laughs> right who you know selflessly gave up a kidney right uh, if that's what sonia's published story had been don would have fucking slobbered over it totally yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah i mean i i think the worst thing that sonia did was not obfuscate enough like she should she should have like made the kidney donor a man she should have like not mm. made the letter you know and just kind of made it so that there was half a chance that Don wouldn't even recognize herself when she read the story. I think yeah. she just hewed way too close to the to the to the actual truth. I think that's one thing that gets me, Nico, is like the arrogance. The, the my my comment like literary culture should be burned to the ground is like it's the, this weird arrogance of what we're doing is incredibly important and so important. In fact that like I don't have to really bother to right dress up the things I'm borrowing or to and to like to I don't know like make them more creatively 
integrated into my writing. I could just like take the idea and turn it, and that's that's enough, right? right. Well, I could see it going. I could could see it going one of two ways. Mm. That way that you just described, or I could see it just being like she didn't bother to because she didn't think the story was going to go anywhere, and she like mm. read it at a thing, and then it got a huge reaction, and then she was like, oh, and she obfuscated it a little bit more, but not enough, and yeah. then it really took off. And kind of got away from her. Maybe so. I don't know. Those those messages in the discovery seem to suggest that she knew enough about where it was going, but didn't want to lose that part know. of the text. Yeah, for sure. And then there's that part where she like the her first draft of it, the letter itself almost was verbatim. Yeah, right. And she eventually changed it, but right. about that first version, she said some like super writerly horseshit. Like I tried to change it, but it was just. That's what the story called yeah, for, right. or whatever. Yeah, like, just it's go whole, fuck yourself. Right. Yeah, I, if you're writing and you're borrowing, like any human writing a book would, or story, or whatever else, you're borrowing from the people you know and the things around you and what's in the news or whatever else. Like that's part of it, and part of the job of the author is to take those things and create something, right? Yeah. When, <laughs> when you're just basically telling someone else's story, you yeah. know, like there's no. What is she adding to this besides snark? You know, like what is she? Right. She's just she's just shitting on a person that she's maybe friends with. I don't know, and then profiting off of it. And the other person sucks too. But there's no. Where's the art in this? You know, right. it's not. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if profit was the greatest motivator. She said like she made four hundred dollars total from it. Uh, maybe not financial profit, but like sort of credibility cachet. profit or yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely. Either she was just doing it to be a bitch, which maybe is better, but not, I mean, not by much. Like, I mean, to play devil's advocate, like, I think, she, like, Don is clearly insufferable. And, yeah. like, her her entire identity is, I gave a kidney away. Please praise me. Right. Just ignore and so, her. Like, like, criticism of that is valid, I yes. think. Not really. Not when you're presenting it as fiction. That's not criticism. Because that's not... It's like if I wrote a fiction story just shitting on Nico, like what what's the point of that? Like you know what I mean? Like there's well, no it's, it's less shitting on her as a person and more shitting on her as a white savior who who wants to be her type. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I can agree with that. But I think my problem with this is that Sonia presented herself as a friend of this person. Like she she stayed in this Facebook group and like would would read what Don had posted and then Right. chat about it with her friends making right. fun of her behind her back whatever and even when Don confronted her I was like hey you didn't like my weird letter about my candidation which is a weird fucking thing to do in the first yeah. place yeah. her response was oh it's so great like cool like she she didn't say like oh yeah I just don't like you she right. could she could have taken any opportunity to say like hey we're not friends I don't want to but she hung around just to just for the spite of it all just for the yeah. the larf which to try to be fair to Sonia is what I feel like I would have done. Like I wouldn't right. respond to an email like that with, Hey, we're not friends and I think you're absurd. And I'm probably going to write a story showing how ridiculous you are. <laughs> right. yeah. this was and true. then too, I tried to, I, I mean, you feel bad or I shouldn't say you, but I felt bad for Don when reading through all this communication between yes. uh, Sonia and her friends. And I'm, and it's so easy to say, man, Sonia, God, what a, what a bitch. But then like, I think about the stuff that the four of us talk about over email about other people, like back oh, when yeah. we were in grad school together and it was like far worse than anything. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Than anything Sonia said or any of her friends said. Yeah, but true. we never took that and tried to present it seriously as a... Yeah, and mo- mm. I feel like most of the people that we, like, the people that we continue to reference this day from our shared past, whatever, we never really were front-facing friends with them. Like, I don't... I was yeah. never friends True. with bleep or bleep yeah. i barely talked to them <laughs> right we just read their work in class and we're like this is this is amazing this yeah, has to i mean be. i don't know I still... and occasionally we read it on the podcast <laughs> for the whole world and put it up online back in the day i still i still follow yeah. them on twitter if i can like i want to see them but but yeah i i, I don't know i don't think it's that big of a crime to because it's i mean i think it i think of it kind of as you know reinforcing your worldview and your way of 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 seeing like the way that don is like oh i'm more moral than you right this is a way of kind of knocking that back and saying like well that's not really which which i think is is one of the purposes of pop culture and and literature as a society is to kind of establish what we see as our collective morality yeah no i think you're right about that which is not giving away your kidney for likes on facebook like that's a shitty thing to do. I mean, obviously, there's something going on with Don beyond just that. Like, she clearly has some like deep seated mental health issues, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I, I, with Dave, I do have empathy for her. Um, and I have empathy for, I, I yeah, I, I, I guess I, I said it first. I didn't, but I, I do because I, I do feel that's a rough thing to experience. And obviously, she's not well to some extent. And this whole discourse now is like, I don't know. Even though she brought this, the story to the New York Times herself, like mm-hmm. it does sort of. Now she is a public figure in the sense maybe didn't want to be necessarily. I have less empathy for Sonia, but I can see how that would be empathetic too. My sense of like the, the, the problem that I have with Sonia is not so much the act of writing the story, uh, although I do, it does bug me. I've had this happen to me before. Someone has taken a sto- something from my life and turned into a story and I didn't like it um, when they did it. Didn't ask me if it was okay, just did it. What I'm more bothered by is the chest thumping and the horrible discussion of like, this is art and fiction has this power and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. It was so right. everyone, all the people they interviewed her defenders from Grub Street. I was like, these people all sound miserable. This is, this is an awful yeah. way to talk about writing and, and wanting to, what, what you want to do as a writer. It just felt so disgusting. I can't imagine Grub Street's thrilled with how their organization looks right. after this article is published. I don't know. What did you all think about that? There is definitely that when one of her first responses to Don was something like, I hope you're okay that your life has inspired art just yeah. to call your own story art when it's yeah. just, when it's just 95% regurgitating what this other person did. Yeah. Whew. That takes some, some kind of arrogance. Yeah. It's such like big fish, small pond energy, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's the same stuff we talked about however many episodes ago, right? Where there's just sort of echo yeah. chamber of, like self-importance, right? Where it's just, and it's not. It doesn't matter. Like how many people read this fucking story? Like this right. story yeah. was nothing, right? It's the article about these two yeah. being shitty that blew up, right? It's and like, yeah, definitely a Barbara Streisand effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and it's just, and in their world, it was this big thing. It's almost like middle school drama, like put up on a. Yes. It's it's stupid, right? And so, and you know, good for good for whoever can make a career, kind of circling that drain but that doesn't it's just meaningless it's just stupid right and then the whole thing is stupid i i don't mm-hmm. 
I don't care, I guess. It, it just, they're bad people is what it sounds like, right? They're just sort of toxic, you know? Uh, and it's not, I mean, it is art, but not really, right? And yeah. like to misrepresent yourself regardless of audience, I think is pretty shitty. Yeah. And then to to sort of like deny, deny, accuse as a response is, is even shittier. So, yeah. And to like pursue lawsuits is shitty like, on both their parts. Like, and it's, dumb. It, yeah, it's very dumb. The whole thing is dumb. It yeah. didn't need to be this like elaborate of a, the drama is, is very necessary. But Brick, you're yeah. right. Like, it does feel middle school. And I want to go like add this as an update to our should you go to MFA school episode no. and be like, this is it. This is what MFA school is. This is what it does. <laughs> this, is to you. Like, this is the right. apex. Yeah. You will get people like this, people who are shitty. Right. Yeah. These guys are probably top of their circles there. So, so yeah. maybe to take a little bit of a turn. So, I mean, I think we can all agree that these two are pieces of shit. Yes. And this is a, this is a <laughs> situation, but to maybe generalize it a bit more, mm. uh, how much do you think it is okay to, to take from real life. So Aaron, you were saying that somebody turned something that you did into a story yes. and that was maybe over the line for you. Yeah. But I think like I, I take little bits all the time. I take like, I was, when I was, when I was on my crazy America trip, I was taking like pictures of houses to use as like inspiration for whatever. Sure. Like I use pictures of real people, usually people that I don't know right. to, as the basis for characters. And I take like things that people say a fair bit or things that people do and kind of, you know, add them in in certain places. Yeah. Do you guys do the same? You have yes. to. That yeah. mean, that's just like you can't not. Yeah, there, it has to come from reality in some, <laughs> some way. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It's just like your idea of a house comes from houses you've seen, you know. So, like, it's it's impossible not to. But the the difference is, well, one, if it's more than just – if, like, your character is, like, very clearly – not only to you, but to that person or to other people, like based on someone, mm-hmm. you should talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I feel it's only right, right? Or you should change your character, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would definitely do the second. Yeah, I would just obfuscate and not never talk to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or like I mean, when I was writing stories, a lot of my characters would have pieces of ten different people, right? And that's yeah. and that's and that, that's that's fine right if you're but the the difference is if you're using like an actual thing someone said right or you're like very clearly writing a, a a portrait of someone you know or basing something off someone else's experience it's not yours right and you can use it but you should do so respectfully right and thoughtfully and you know it, i think it's it's the responsibility of just kind of any human not to cause harm you know, and if, sure. if, if you yeah. are harming someone for your fucking art, like, fuck you, you know, like knowingly, knowingly, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's like, that's, that's just not, I don't know. That's not how I'd want to be. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Most writers, and I hear what Dave says about this with your experience with the, you know, teaching or working with writers directly, like most writers tend to do like a pastiche style where sort of like you sort of, you draw little things, little bits here and there to sort of shape a character, but your character you build in your head for whatever your story is or whatever your, your novel is, is an accumulation of stuff that's kind of been rattling around in the, in the back of your head from these various encounters, right? When it becomes like one person's story, one person's personality, that's like Brick said, a lot different. I mean, in the article, one of the toadies was interviewed and his quote was something about like, or maybe it was Sonia, I can't remember who said this, but it was like, um, 
if my neighbor like plants gardenias, I mean, I was write a, a character and a, a story who plants gardenias, and it was like if you can't see the difference between someone someone's hobby or like a thing that sort of everyone does versus a very specific thing. I mean, that's about an someone's intentional life. dodge, though. Clearly, right? Yeah. But that's the thing. Is it like that's it's such a poor defense of writing to be like, oh well, you can do whatever you want to. It's like no, not really, because there's differences. There's different levels of of intent there. Yeah, the person who took the like it was a, child, a story from my childhood that was like very unique, uh, and wrote a story about it, and it was a friend didn't ask, and it bugged me because I was like, well, I might have wanted to write the story myself, right? It, it, and I still mm-hmm. could, uh, and who knows? But it was like it felt weird to have my history mind a story that I told someone trusting them, I guess, or just like because I wanted to share my life with them, right? Who saw it as an artistic opportunity and didn't want to clear that with me first. It felt weird. Yeah. Did you sue? No. <laughs> but this was published. It was published, yeah. 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 I feel like that's where, you know, I, I feel like I have a right, <clears throat> pardon me, to write whatever I want, but I don't feel like I have the right to publish whatever I want. Sure. That's a good point. Or to try to publish whatever I want. That's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. What, what do you think would be enough obfuscation? So, like, if you're writing a story say about somebody who asked somebody out with a high cake what if you change it to uh you know a, a pie cake? a pie that says go out with me like is that enough or like do you have to keep going i don't know yeah i don't know i feel like every writer maybe has to i mean how how do we land on a consensus for that but kind I, of, I think it's probably somewhere yeah. in the neighborhood of obfuscating to the point where it's not obvious even to the subject him or herself right yeah yep I think I think the best way to How do you define that though? I've, I mean yeah. I think if I had to give a way to do a rule of thumb, it would be to drill down into what you find uh compelling about that yes. situation and then take that in a different direction yes. and like expose it in a different way that's not hmm. Well, I also think it needs Absolutely. to be your story, right? So like if I were writing a novel and I had a character and a sort of brief part, like maybe a little scene of that character was something about them awkwardly asking someone out with a piece of food, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the same thing as me writing a story that is like very clearly the high cake story with things swapped around. Like those aren't the same, right? Even though like what I'm using is the same, like one is my story and one is not, right? Right, right. I definitely used my, uh, once my my sister used to to call throwing up Whitneying because she had a, she had a friend who was bulimic who was named Whitney. Jesus I was like, that Christ. is so horrifying. Yeah. That I, that I, it never went anywhere, but I put it in the story. <laughs> but it was like, I mean, I'm kind of rough. glad it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, that's dark. <laughs> it was, oh, it was extremely, uh, yeah. But it also extremely illuminating. Sure. That, yeah. Oh, know. totally. That's a, a very good observation, a very specific thing. Yeah. But that's, like, I think that what Dave mentioned too, like, there's a question of, did you have to do this? Like, does this, is this the story that you had to tell? Like, and why is that a story that you had to tell? Right. If someone published a story, if one of you published a story and there was a character that gave a cake that said hi or like go at the whatever or a pie or whatever it was, I wouldn't be mad at you, but it would just be like, I wonder why they did that. Like, I wonder what was going on. Yeah. What made them think they had to tell that story? And say with a friend who, who published a story about my childhood, it wasn't that I was mad. It was just like, that's weird. Why did they, did, why did they do that? Why did they not have their own story to tell? Because it, it, it felt like a violation, right? Yeah, like a violation. Just like, it just felt, yeah, it felt strange to then think like, oh, huh, okay. I guess 
what you heard in that story that I told you was something about you. I mean, there's a whole breed of writers, and I think these are some of the most pretentious and obnoxious writers there are that mm-hmm. just feel like it's their like artistic duty to chronicle the world or whatever, right? Right. Uh, and like those are the people that are stealing other people's stories and writing them down, right? Those are right. the people that are going into some some place where they don't belong and like. Uh, I shouldn't say don't belong, but like they're the strangers that go places. They go to like some town from New York, and then they they isn't this quaint like let's funny farm this shit. And everyone's like, we're real people. Like fuck off, right? right. Like those to me seems like that MFA breed of writers without stories, mm-hmm. right? And I think without experiences. Yeah, yeah. And so they they steal and they lift. And I don't, you know. And this is cutting back to maybe that sort of inspiration thing. I think if you don't have that. And like you're just mm-hmm. scanning around the world for anything to write about, you're never going to be a good writer. Hmm. You know, I think like you need to decide what it is you want to write, uh, and whatever stories are in you, like not in a metaphysical sense, but just a like, what is it that you're passionate about? What is it you care about? What is it that you feel you want to write about and do it? And if you're just looking for stories to tell because you want to be quote unquote a writer, that you're just not going to be one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting way to put it. I think that makes sense, a lot of sense. Inspiration's funny because inspiration hits in, in weird ways. I'm thinking about it now, and I did do uh, this with my dad. My dad told me a story about his childhood that I wrote as a story for one of our first workshops in mm-hmm. grad school. But I interviewed him about it. I talked to him about it. I asked him questions. I got more details from him. I told him what I was doing with the story intentionally. He was like excited about it, whatever. And then I changed a ton of it. Like it ended up becoming a totally different story. So much changed. It was just like the one sort of kernel, one little bit of inspiration, one incident. Yeah. So it's interesting because it did hit me as it, when I heard when he told me that story the first time. I was like, "This is there's something, there's something here for sure. There's something to be mined here." And then I wanted to mine it, so I talked to him about it, and and kept working on it. But it wasn't. I don't know. It it, it wasn't just my dad. It was a different something was built off of that idea. I guess sure. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um. I thought I thought it was also interesting in the in this bad art friend story that um, that the copyright law was like no that is not anywhere close to being a copyright violation. Like, yeah, you changed it enough. Yeah, you obfuscated it. Doesn't matter. All the rest of it doesn't matter. Like she had basically no legal basis for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, <laughs> if we had to invite one or the other to become a yak baby, who would it? It would be. Unanimously, Sonia, right? Hundred percent, Sonia for me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what, which oh, one's I more likely to give us a kidney when we get sick? Of <laughs> 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 can't. Uh, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, yeah, not the one with one kidney left. <laughs> what about uh, a? Maybe she'd give us half her liver. I could probably use <laughs> an extra half a liver. Just, let's bring her in and organ harvest her. Yeah. Filter some. Well, all right, I'll throw it out then. Which, if we had to invite one or the other to become a yak baby, who would you choose? I would choose Sonia easily. I would choose Dawn. What? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I, I she's think I would. So insufferable, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would too. Wow. wow. Holy shit! I did not God. see that coming. Aaron, can you yeah. say why? Yeah. I think if you look at their like <laughs> philosophies, I think Dawn is closer to the spirit of our podcast than Sonia is. Yeah. What? Like wow. Dawn's an, Dawn is an outsider who is who has seen the has been part of yes, but also has seen like sort of like the stupid self-indulgent side of literary culture uh, and is responding to it in dumb ways, obviously, but still. <laughs> Whereas Sonia is so sold in her own bullshit. Yeah. Uh, 
Sonya and, and Andrew Martin would be friends. Yeah, no, I want no part of Sonya. She sounds insufferable. Dawn also sounds like a bad human. Yeah, she sounds like she's And I don't troubled. want really to hang out with her either. But no. if they're really talking about actually being a yak babies, uh, I will mm-hmm. call out Dawn's bullshit on yeah. things, and then I will just be annoyed by Sonya the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, why would you choose Sonya? Oh, interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, Sonya's going to be annoying sometime and talking about, like, the art of art, <laughs> whatever. But I can't handle people like Dawn. I mean, I say that based obviously only on what we read about her in that piece. But right. like, I would probably have to quit the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I also if Dawn if Dawn came on. Yeah, uh, I also read this Instagram thread about Dawn, like going back into her Instagram history and yeah. like pointing out all these things. Like, she celebrated her one year kidney anniversary. Like, took all these pictures. She celebrated with her kidney surgeon and like goes to all these, goes to like New New Year's Eve kidney parties and like literally that's her entire personality. Right, it's just insufferable. Yeah, and then also that that person pointed out that there were a whole bunch of corrections at the bottom of the bad art friend article, and they're oh. like, this looks like Don's work. It looks like Don uh, called up the jur- the journalist and was like, you got some things wrong. Right. Yeah. I right. mean, I don't want either of them anywhere near here. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the real answer is we would just end the podcast if we had to have yeah, one of them start, become yeah. the fifth Yak Baby. We, Crack babies. we would all just do finally do our uh, murder-suicide plot. I mean, it does feel like Sonya would, would shit-talk with us. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. That's true. That's true. No. But then she'd have to leave the room so we could shit-talk her. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Listeners, we know you have thoughts on this. Tell us on Twitter at GakBabies uh, or email us GakBabiesPodcast at gmail.com. If you have juicy insights, and this is a this is a homegrown story. This is a Boston-based podcast. So if you have insights into uh, anything that went on here at Grub Street or have juicy goss, do share. We'd love to dish it. And then uh, Patreon.com slash for our Patreon bonus podcast for $1 a month. You can get all of our good stuff there. Uh, there's games. There's uh, Monster Draft recently for Halloween that was very fun. Uh, there's also a Halloween candy tournament bracket that is either has been posted or is being posted soon, depending on when this comes up. Uh, it's a really good one. Uh, it cost took a year off all of our lives to do it, and so uh, you should be listening to it because it's worth it. And then our merch, tinyyearold.com slash yakbabies for posters, mugs, and shirts with signs by Brick. All very funny, all very good. And last but not least, tell a friend about Yak Babies. Tell a listener, tell a new listener about this show. Uh, someone who loves literature, someone who read Bad Art Friend and wants to hear a bunch of guys talking about why they hate these people. <laughs> Let them know so they can listen and enjoy the podcast. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all their loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, and William Howard Taft. Oh.